I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. I recently had lunch with a friend, Doug Schmidt of Schmidt Music, and he mentioned something about a musical playground. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Musical playground? Tell me about this. He went on to explain what it was, and we actually ended up taking a little field trip to one of these in Minneapolis that his Rotary had installed about 10 years ago. I absolutely love this concept for so many reasons. My guest today, Dr. Melissa Hughes, is going to tell us more about these outdoor musical instruments and the science behind them. Dr. Melissa Hughes has a PhD in education and has done extensive research in neuroscience and behavioral psychology. She is the author of two best-selling books that I want to buy just based on the titles, Happy Hour with Einstein and Happier Hour with Einstein, Another Round. Dr. Hughes is a self-proclaimed neuroscience geek and a popular speaker to corporations, universities, and organizations on topics related to maximizing results by optimizing the brain. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Dr. Hughes. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I find these musical playgrounds to be absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Tell us how you first heard about them and how you came to be involved in the research behind them and in working with Richard Cook, who is a Grammy award-winning musician and a real pioneer in designing these outdoor instruments. Yeah, it was a little bit uh, of serendipity, which is really cool when great things happen just by happenstance. Mm -hmm. But I, as you said, I do a lot of work in in, with neuroscience. I'm a complete geek. I unabashedly own that. (laughs) Uh, But but basically, I really am just I really want to know how the brain works and and more importantly, how to make it work better. And I get that most people don't dig the research the way I do. But really, what people want is that what's in it for me part. So what? It's the so what people that that, that people really care about. And I had done some work with a company called Playcore, and they had acquired this musical harmony, uh, outdoor parks and natural harmony. And I had no idea what this was. And when I took a look at what they were doing, they were actually incorporating the best parts of learning in nature with music. And I thought, well, my gosh, what a fantastic marriage that is. I mean, you can't (laughs) go wrong. Because I had done a lot of work on the neuroscience of music, but not necessarily, I had never really dug into combining the neuroscience of music with the neuroscience of nature. Mm. And when you put those two things together, and then you sprinkle play on top of that, yeah, I mean, it's a trifecta, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. So, so that's how that's how it came to me. And when I when they offered me the project, I just jumped at it. I, I was so excited. Mm. Now, what is your background in music? Well, my background is mostly in education. So Uh I started my journey in a fourth grade classroom Uh and uh, I was that teacher. I was was the complete cliche. I was the teacher that was going to change the world one child at a time. (laughs) I absolutely was going to do that. And at the end of my first year, I sat down with my mentor and we had a little bit of a postmortem of that first year, like what worked well, what didn't work well, Uh like what do you want to, what do you want to get better at? And my question was, how in the world can I teach children to learn effectively if I don't understand how the brain works? Hmm. 
And so there was where my journey in neuroscience began in a very uh, informal way. Um, but at the same time, they were we had just introduced high stakes testing. And I had 10 year olds who were stressed to the max mm -hmm. to go in and take this high stakes test. Mm -hmm. um, I had kids that were throwing up on the oh, test and I had to, yeah, I mean, it was like, because this was the first time that teachers were going to be evaluated based on the results of their students. Okay. So everybody was, you know, just fire engine red about, about making sure that you do the very best you can and get a good night's sleep and eat a good breakfast and remember all your test taking skills. Now go in there and do your best job. <laughs> and the truth is that the brain can't do its best thinking under those conditions. Mm. So even at back in, you know, that very early stage of my career, one of the things that I, what, that I realized, not really by the science of it all, but I used to play classical music in my classroom and when the kids were doing um i think probably it was you know the baby i the baby mozart and uh -huh. the, you know all of that all of that stuff was yeah. probably in the back of my brain what i have since learned is that um music actually we because of mirror neurons the brain mirrors the frequency and the brain waves of the the sound waves that you're listening of the music that you're listening to and so we really can slow the brain down i mean if it, if the brain is pinging so fast or if you're operating under fear or you're operating under stress or what, what neuroscience call any kind of psychological discomfort, mm -hmm. then the um, emotional brain is going to activate the survival brain. And then to do that, the survival brain is actually gonna put the thinking brain on pause. Uh -huh. So we don't do our best thinking when we're in survival mode. Sure. It just is impossible. Um, so one of the things that music really does is, is it imprints itself on the brain deeper than any other human experience. Mm. And the reason for that is because it evokes emotion and e we need emotion to transfer things from the present to short-term memory to long-term memory. And mm. music is what brings that back when nothing else can, mm. right? So if you think about, think about, um, you know, I, I, we all have that song that is, anytime we hear that song, it takes us right back to that place in time. Yes. Um, and mine is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. I can hear <laughs> Don't Stop Believing by Journey and I am right back to my high school cafeteria. It was on the jukebox and we played it constantly. Right. So <laughs> but maybe it's your wedding or maybe it's, you know, a song that your grandma sung to you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, music is that it just evokes such strong emotion, uh, stronger than any other experience. And so I think what we're learning now as we get smarter about how the brain learns mm -hmm. and how the brain processes information is we're, now we're using, we're learning how to use them intentionally, mm. you know, and that's what these musical parks do. They actually, they use the music and the play and the nature in a very intentional manner. And the brain just operates better with all that. Mm. Well, and one thing that I'm interested in learning more about is the effect of combining music and nature. Tell us about some of the brain-based research that talks about the power of that combination. So there's a just a ton of information out there, research out there on uh, what nature, just being in nature does 
to to the brain. Um, there's there have been studies where they've taken hospital patients who are recovering from not life threatening surgeries, but typical surgeries which take a, you know a couple of days to a week to recover. And those folks who have some kind of natural element either in their view or in their room recover faster. Mm. They've done a lot of work on being in nature parks or in water areas that have water features are huge. Um, And a lot of that has to do with what we associate with water. We associate the ocean. We associate, you know, the wide open spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, you think of, if you think about that beach vacation, when you're just sitting on the beach with a book, that is like the most relaxing thing in right. the, you know, in the planet. Right. Um, so now that we know that um, there are some really unique features and benefits of combining music with nature. And, you know, some of this has everything to do with the way music is affecting the brain, the way nature is affecting the brain, and then also the way it brings people together. Mm. Because when you think about these community spaces, um, people aren't, people are are there together for a common purpose, usually. Uh Um, You don't, you don't think about going out into these parks or these natural spaces. Uh, You don't associate them as places that would create conflict, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is my community. This is my space. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is our space. And so there's a lot of amazing benefits in combining the natural space. And we've got a lot of information about kids who learn better in nature. From a cognitive standpoint, it does a lot to the brain and it, and it activates those regions of the brain that just really enable deeper cognition, greater memory, greater problem-solving skills. Um, compared to kids that are confined to a classroom. Yeah. I imagine there's also some research on the bonding effect of making music in a group setting. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, when you think about, uh, when you think about going to any kind of event where folks are singing, maybe it's the national anthem or uh, take me out to the ball game. When you go to the baseball game, there is, they've actually done a lot of studies where when you sing with a group, it's, it, it actually syncs up. All of your brains kind of sync up and it inspires this feeling of belonging. Mm-hmm. And we know that belonging is a basic human need. And actually now we have a lot of experts that are saying it's not just a need, it's actually required for survival. Mm-hmm. We can't survive individually. That's why this COVID crisis has been so hard for folks because we need that connection. We need to feel like we belong. And so this idea of making music together, it just deepens that connection. It deepens that sense of community. And, you know, even if you're just sitting on a park bench and you're watching children play the big old xylophone over there Mm -hmm. and you're listening to that music, the kids know you're listening to that music. So they know you're, you're connecting without mm. even speaking. Mm. You know, they're making the music for you. You're enjoying the music from them. And there is this bond there mm-hmm. just because you share that music. It's quite incredible. Yeah. That reminds me of another guest that we had on the show a while back, Dr. Indre Viscontis, who was talking about oxytocin and the ability of creating music together to produce oxytocin and that 
bonding effect that it has. And when you were mentioning the take me out to the ball game or even being at a concert with a group of people, there is this synchronizing and entrainment that is happening with all of these people who are engaging in this music making together, which is is really fascinating to learn about. One thing that I love about these playgrounds, these musical outdoor musical instruments, is there there are no wrong notes. It sounds beautiful. I know Doug was mentioning that at first some of the people who lived in the vicinity of these parks where there was going to be an installation were a little nervous like is this going to be a drum set that we're listening to all day and when they found out what it sounded you know it's more of a wind chime type of a sound and there's there's no wrong notes that's they're specifically designed that way so they sound beautiful can you tell us anything more about that aspect of the design yeah i think that the at the design of these outdoor instruments it is just brilliant because you said it exactly there are no wrong notes and one of the things that we know about kids who actively not just kids people who actively engage with music it it enhances the neuroplasticity in the brain and it strengthens those neural connections at any age but it also primes the nervous system and it influences our overall health and our emotional well-being. So you combine that with the natural setting and it's just huge. But when we think about the kinds of music experiences that people have once you get out of school, I mean, unless you're a musician, we don't create music. We li- we consume music, we mm-hmm. listen to music, but we don't create music. And even kids, um, little kids, toddlers and, and grade school children, um, maybe they get to play the recorder, maybe they get to do the xylophone once in a while, but uh-huh. the actual act of experiencing music facilitates such a broad range of physical development, as well as cognitive and emotional and social growth, because they're doing it together. And so when you take these instruments and you ask kids to create music, immerse themselves in the creation of music, they are able to figure out how to harmonize. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite a magical thing, right? And yeah. you know, in the research, even infants demonstrate a neural response to pitch and to melody and to you know other musical instruments. But making music delivers great, even greater benefits than listening to music. Mm-hmm. And and yet we reach a certain place in our in in our ages in our in, many of us don't ever create music. Mm-hmm. And if you walked by one of these outdoor instruments, it's like I dare you not to pick that thing up and make noise, <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, you can't. You can't help it. It's, uh-huh. it's it's in us. It's and music is you know the universal language. It's in us. We all uh-huh. want to make that. We all want to make that music. Yeah. So, yes. Well, it was Quite really a... fun when Doug and I were at that location in Jackson Square Park in Minneapolis. We were kind of standing around. He was telling me some of the background uh, about putting that together, that park together. And uh, it was really fun just as we were standing there to observe people walking by, mostly kids. And yeah, every one of them just grabbed one of those mallets and kind of, and they would kind of make their way down the line there. At this particular park, there were, I don't know, seven instruments maybe. And, you know, they kind of play on one for a while and then make their way to the next one. And it was just, and it's beautiful to listen to. You know, it really is. And I will not 
pretend to know all of the science that goes into the actual construction of the instruments. I can just tell you that it is amazing and I've heard them and seen them and 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 it has everything to do with brainwaves. Mm. And when you when we really think about just how crazy incredible the human brain is. I mean, it's made up of billions of neurons and they communicate through electrical pulses. Mm -hmm. And you know, all of our behavior and our thoughts and our emotions and our memories and our moods, our, our overall state of being is really a result of all of this neural communication. And when these neurons and these pulses all sync up, they create brain waves. And we have five different types of brain waves. So we've got gamma waves and beta waves, theta waves, delta waves. So they all have a purpose. So if a teacher who is teaching her students, she would be generating beta waves. Mm -hmm. But um, when you go to sleep at night, you know, the brain waves slow down to delta waves. And if you could see your brain waves in action as you went about the day, you'd see all five of them in use. But the cool thing about creating this music together with your peers or with, um, you know, some of these instruments that are in these community spaces, you see kids playing with adults and, you know, it doesn't matter. And, and, yeah. and this isn't music that they've practiced mm -hmm. or learned. But what happens is those brain waves are in sync with one another and it's just amazing I, I, you know it's we have come so far in understanding how the brain works and it's just simply amazing that is so cool that you can have people of all ages all races and all levels of music training whether there's no music training at all or they do have quite a bit and just all experiencing this together and, and bringing the community together in that way. Tell us about some of the different community spaces that these instruments are installed in and found in. They're in parks, they're in schools, hospitals. They are in community centers and parks. And there are there was a little bit of a push to create some green urban spaces, right? So we've mm. got all these urban spaces that are not very green. They are, they don't have a lot of community, what I call soothing space. They don't have a lot of that. And so there are some places where they're adding these into these urban centers to create a more, a better community space for them. But there are also, there are music trails, there are nature parks, there are um, schools, there are, there are different schools that are installing these in, in their spaces. Mm -hmm. So really, it's any community space or organizational space um, that really wants to enhance that musical and natural experience for their constituents. It's just, it can be anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you say anywhere, I mean, these parks are being created around the world, not just here in the United States. Now, you mentioned Playcore. That is one of the companies that does manufacture these. You worked with Playcore and also with Richard Cook, who kind of was the initial pioneer in getting these outdoor music instruments designed. You worked with them in creating a, a guide called Natural Harmony, an instrumental guide to blending outdoor music and community. And in that guide, you talk about a lot of the science behind it, which you've uh, done a great job of explaining just now, uh, and also some other things. Is there anything else about the the science behind that that you want to talk about before you explain what else is in this book in terms of ways to 
design and fund and and case studies and things like that related to the parks? Yeah, so the so the guide is really was really designed. I was enlisted to bring the science piece, and Richard Cook was enlisted to bring it, the musical piece. He, they, <laughs> he's the musical expert. I want to make clear that that's <laughs> I am not the musical expert, uh, but really the guide was designed to to really establish a scientific foundation for combining the power of music with outdoor learning environments. Mm. And when you when I say outdoor learning environments, I say that because outdoor environments are inherently learning environments. And mm. that is because our brain just works better when we're outside. Mm. So, you know, if, for the for the folks that are sitting in their office right now listening to your podcast, I urge you, as soon as this podcast is over, <laughs> go outside, take a walk outside. <laughs> Your brain will thank you. I mean, it's that, you know, that 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon time when you start to feel really sluggish and oh, mm-hmm. you're hitting that wall and most people head to the vending machine. Uh-huh. And my advice is fire up your best playlist and take 10 minutes outside and uh-huh. you're, you will do wonders. It will do wonders for your, not just your mood, but uh-huh. your cognitive function. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that we're we're basically hardwired to learn better and function better in terms of our brains out in nature. And the other interesting thing is we're also hardwired to learn through play. And so that's another thing that this concept really marries really nicely is that combination of learning outdoors and learning through play. Absolutely. You know, and also um, what this also strengthens music and play. Don't just strengthen the brain, but it strengthens your bond with others, whether that is your familial bond or your community bond. And boy, I think the world could use a little bit more of that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. watch the so, pres- that first presidential <laughs> debate, and that will <laughs> erase all questions. Eh, yikes! Right? Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that the other the other piece of music is not not just in the creation of music, but it is in the enjoyment of listening to music. And what it does, I think, it forces us to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we live in a very fast paced world, and there is an awful lot of stress, and there is an awful lot of anxiety and chaos and you know there is there is nothing wrong with giving yourself permission to just slow down with a great playlist for 20 minutes a day and i promise you that is one of the best intentional changes to your routine that you can make Mm. in in times like this right Mm -hmm. Well, that Natural Harmony Guide that you helped put together it also has some case studies in it that illustrate communities that have successfully put these evidence-based resources into practice. Were there any case studies that kind of stuck out to you or that stuck in your memory? Well, I was not involved in writing the case studies, but okay. there was one that, um, you know, there was a park in Fountain Hills, Arizona, and um, it was already just a beautiful park, and there were there were water features throughout this park. But the park was designed and dedicated to allow kids of all ages, people of all ages, to channel their energies into music. And there were fourteen or fifteen instruments that were set up in this in this park. And the goal was that anyone 
even people who had zero, zero musical background, zero musical training could jump in and create an impromptu jam session. Mm. And, you know, the way they structured this, and that was really their purpose was, let's create a space where people can just jam, like an impromptu jam session. And I, when I read that case study, I was like, who could resist that, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's no way I could walk past that and not want right. to jam with whoever's there jamming, you uh -huh. know? And so um, it's, it's intentional things like that that make this such a special place, I think. And, and, you know, all of the places that have incorporated these outdoor music parks, it just, I just think it, really appeals to the best part of us. Mm. Well, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or a story about a moment when music enhanced your life. Do you have a song or a story that you can share with us today? Well, I'm going to share a playlist. Well, I'm not going to share the whole playlist, but I will start. I have to I have to set the stage with one of my greatest fears in the world. Now, I am a very intelligent Woman, I am not a nut job, but I am deathly afraid of the dentist. Oh. Deathly afraid of the dentist. So I have dental phobia like nobody's business. Mm. And I have put off some dental work that I needed done. And I finally, you know, put my big girl pants on and I worked <laughs> up that energy to get in there. Um, and what I do know about music is there is one particular song that... Um, was designed by musical engineers and neuroscientists to reduce stress. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if there is any song on the planet that I need to listen to while <laughs> I am at the dentist, it would be that one. <laughs> oh, wow. And so, you know, I, I joke and I told my dentist, I mean, it really did take, I laugh about it now, but it took me a long time to work up the nerve to get in there. And I, you know, told my dentist, you know, we have the technology to send a man to the moon and to peek inside the brain, but nobody has figured out how to create a dental drill. It doesn't sound like you're drilling a hole straight through the top of my skull. Um, so uh, the song, though, that was created by sound engineers and neuroscientists is called Weightless, and it's by Marconi Union. And if you have Apple Music, they have a 10-hour version, which oh, is really? what I would recommend. Wow. Um, but it was found to be 11% more relaxing than um, they had. They, they narrowed this down to like the top 10 most relaxing songs of all time. And what they did was they hooked up people with these monitors on their brains and they, they were used fMRI scanners to see what was activating inside their brain. But really they were measuring anxiety and blood pressure and heart resting rates and all of that. And they found that Weightless was the um, most relaxing song. It reduced overall anxiety by a measure of 65%. Oh, wow. And it lowered heart rate by 35%. And they also advised uh, against driving or operating heavy machinery. While Seriously? Oh my word. No, I'm not even kidding you. I would not kid you about something like that. And wow. I can just tell you that it did get me through two root canals and two crowns. So oh. I would say uh, 
but there is a whole playlist. I, I did the, the research study is just fascinating. It is actually, it's on my website and on my blog post, so you can find it there. But Excellent. that's my coda. That's that, my coda. Is, that is a ringing endorsement of that song, and <laughs> I am definitely going to check that out. <laughs> Love it. I have a friend, too, who's a dental hygienist. So, Julie, I'm going to be telling you about this song so you can pass that on to your your patients. And actually, my entire um, dental experience, my dental week from hell experience is is also on my blog. Um, So I actually passed that on to my dentist as well, and he chuckled at that. So, uh, yeah, so they're both on my blog. You can see them both. Very cool. Well, we will definitely have links to that in the show notes for listeners to check out. And I'm sure that will be getting a lot of listens. <laughs> and that is a little taste of the YouTube video of Weightless. You can view and listen to the full video and the 10-hour version on YouTube. Links are in the show notes as well as links to Melissa's full stress reduction playlist and her blog about her dental experience. Also in the show notes are some pictures of my visit with Doug Schmidt to Jackson Square Park and compliments of Doug, a listing of Twin Cities locations of musical parks for listeners who are local and may want to check them out. Thanks so much to Dr. Hughes, Richard Cook, Doug Schmidt of Schmidt Music, and Playcore, who all had a role in this episode. I am planning a future episode on the topic of music as a gift, ways to gift music to others, which is the gift that keeps on giving. These may be practical gifts, gifts of musical experiences, physical items, or non-tangible items like an original song. If you have any creative ideas to share, I would love to hear them. You can connect with me on social media, email, or my website. All links are included in today's show notes at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 65. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.